0: Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us, a podcast dedicated to the stories of leaders in the technology industries that bring us closer together, specifically content and media, satellite and news space, connectivity, and cybersecurity. Your hosts are me, John Clifton, Laurie Scott, and Will Trenchard, the founders of Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm focused on these exact industries. We love being a part of them, and we're excited to share these stories with you. Welcome to the Tech That Connects Us. Your hosts today are me, John Clifton, alongside Will Trenchard, co-founders of NUCO, and we're delighted to be joined today by Joachim Bergman. Joachim's early career started at Ericsson. Like many joining them, he held a few different roles before finding the area that would define his specialism, in his case, broadcast and media. By 2010, he was head of their TV practice and ended his time as COO of Ericsson Broadcast and Media Services, playing a key role after their acquisitions of Technicolor's Broadcast Service Division and shortly after Red Bee Media. After a bit of time out, food, wine and bikes, we'll hear a bit more about that later, uh, Joachim joined Amino and following their acquisition of 24i last year, he now holds the dual role of co-CEO and COO. Welcome to the show, Joachim.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Pleasure, pleasure. So uh, Joachim, you and I have known each other probably for about a decade now, um, but one thing I've never never really asked or never um, necessarily understood is after your studies, you joined Ericsson and spent some time there. Um, but what led you into the world of broadcast and media?
1: Well, it's a good question. I think firstly, um, I actually um, migrated from Finland to, um, to scotland for a second degree in 97 so from 97 to 98 i attended university of Strathclyde, um, and um, actually it was the time when you get kind of fixed internet with ethernet in your dormitory so i i was browsing a lot of jobs and and i found uh, different things i could have worked at jp morgan as well but i found that you know ericsson sounded very cool at the time because it was mobile phones and GSM, so I got kind of recruited into there, and um, and it was an amazing journey. I mean, I, I had the pleasure of working in, in the phone side. You know, this is pre-Sony Ericsson. Um, worked on GSM, 3G infrastructure, and then more and more going more towards the sort of services-led uh, portfolio we had with billing systems and, and provisioning systems and, and so on things. And then, you know, in 2007, Ericsson started to do media. And I think the reason why i kind of stuck with that is because i i have a i have an interest in in in, in entertainment and and then and, and, and the actually the arts as such you know tv series and and what to watch and how it's done and how good it is and so on so and also i was starting to sell mobile tv already in 2007 so and it was streaming based. this was at the time when you were still saying well will it be dvbh or media flow or something like that, and I was sort of going gung-ho about 128 kilobits streaming <laughs> using, a, using a Java phone, and people say you are crazy. And I had, I, I skipped, need to see if I can find the slide with uh, mobile video is the killer application from 2010, I think. Wow. And people thought that was crazy. It's like, how on earth can you think that this is the killer application? Well, you know, 10 years later, or even five, six, seven years later, it, it is the killer um Amazing. because i i you know i've always had this not i always i heard somebody on a ted talk saying that innovation a, a good idea is, is um um it, it's not necessarily a bad idea but because it fails and and there, there, there there's a there's good examples of things that sort of um, became successful over time when the prerequisites were right and and the more, more comical example is you know the you know the song Torn by Natalia Imbruglia? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was actually, that was the third launch of the song. So it was launched in Norway, it was launched by somebody else, and she then launched it, and then it became a massive global hit. So again, prerequisites and timing is also really important for success. Okay. I bit of a parenthesis, but you know, thought it was an interesting anecdote.
2: Definitely, definitely. I, I remember her very well. Great, great, great song. Um, having, having spent so much time within Ericsson and, and done so many different things, worked in different groups, when you're looking back, do you have a favourite time or, or, or memory? Well,
1: I, um, there's many good memories from mm. different things. I, I remember when I ran uh, IP sourcing, you know, when we did the Europe's largest uh, IT outsourcing, where I was 29. Uh, appointed to running this IT outsourcing project no procurement background no IT background and no background of running a team but being entrusted to do that and also having an extremely good manager to really get this sort of trampoline based learning that's a good experience and also being part of really instrumentally also being part of the cost saving that was necessary for for Ericsson not actually going bust in 2003 4 uh, so that's one. The other one, I would think also when we, um, we set a quite clear strategy for, for the media at the time when we were doing the North, Northern Europe and, um, and media practice uh, about certain things that we would win. One was the MTV media here in, in, in Finland, uh, Finland, MTV3, the uh, broadcast media outsourcing, which t- took us four and a half years to kind of close as a team, as wow. you know, finally wow. doing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Great satisfaction to do. Yeah. You know, there's other things as well. We built uh, the first uh, DVB-T2 network in the world using a mobile network, SFN technology, um, uh, on a BHF uh, frequency, which our customer DNA won two IBC Innovation Awards for. That was in 2010. Rather lot of, some really good memories in, in, in pushing the envelope, so to speak.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I mean, some some great responsibilities and and some phenomenal achievements there, and you know, throughout the career in in lots of different things. You touched on great management. Um, who's been the biggest influence on your career? Do you have a mentor or other people?
1: I've had. So, so I think that the question of mentorship um, it, 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 it evolves over time. So I was fortunate enough that when I Kind of after you know the early days, 98, 99, I was in kind of a fast track program, mm-hmm. and then I had this sort of um, career progression that looked like you know um, senior manager, director, VP, SVP, executive, you know CEO, within like five years. And then I had was assigned a let's say a, a person that is was like 55 or so on, and, and then been with Ericsson for a long time, and he he kind of trimmed my expectations as well as also reminding me that uh, um, the, the career path may not be straight uh, and also mm-hmm. um, what are you going to do when you're my age which in this case was over 55 um, so that was a good mentorship to have when you're mm-hmm. sort of 25 26 27 and then mm-hmm. i had a really good manager and um, you know in the uh, and have had really good managers over time so i've had that also see uh, sort out good managers uh, because mm-hmm. if you have a good manager you don't necessarily need to have a mentor more than for the, let's say, external and other perspective. And also being mm-hmm. part of this management program, and I was, I got a lot of good peer coaching from that as well. Yep. And all yeah. But over the years, as you become more senior and you go more, you know, uh, things tend to become quite lonely sometimes. Um, <laughs> because there's not so much you can ask and so on because you you can't relate to the problem in the same way within the company. And especially if the company is small. Yeah. So, so then I, I do rely on people that I have um, known for many years. They're not in the industry, uh, most of them are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still have um, people that I that I seek advice from.
2: Great, no, it's great. I, I think it's really excellent to get those different perspectives, isn't it? Sometimes in and outside the industry because it, it, it can be all inclusive. And you know, given your progression and development into senior leadership roles, what do you think makes a good leader?
1: I think the, the, the first thing is that you have to have a, um, I think you need to be consistent. That's one of my values. And I, I think mm. I'm, I'm a value-driven leader, data mm. and value-driven. And my values mm. are really about being honest and yeah. also being consistent, uh, yeah. kind of what you see is what you get. Yeah. Um, because if you compromise on that, it, then, then it's very difficult to build trust. Um, mm. So trust is probably the key. And how do you then create trust? It, it's by being uh, honest and also being clear uh, and, and also being consistent. So you yeah. said you did. And vice versa, I expect the same for people who work for me. Yeah so yeah. i think that's 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 the way i do it but i mean i'm i'm a type of person that is kind of has a per- certain personality and that doesn't mean that it works you can build a successful team with only me's, if you will so that's mm. also a kind of a learning over time that you also have to build a team which where you have different characters sure. um, and, and different types of uh, individuals in the team um, and, and that's kind of I think the, the basics of diversity you know we talk about the diversity, but within amino we have coined this sort of expression or maybe not in amino, but we have this expression of diversity of thought mm. uh, ideas. Um, so I think that's 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 the kind of primary thing when we say diversity mm. And of course uh, it's it's everything from from gender um, sexual um, um, uh, and a- ethnicity as well um, mm. so. Uh, But I think it comes to be able to how do you build a successful team and that's also with different types of thoughts and also different characters of people.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you've run global teams and and global businesses and and you've worked overseas on, you know, many different um, occasions. What have you taken from that? What are those, how those events helped to sort of shape, you know, the leader that you are today?
1: Good question. Um, I lived in Five, six countries, and then I have been commuting to a few. <laughs> so I commuted Pretty. to London for four years. Um, yeah, quite. I don't recommend doing that. Not that I'm like <laughs> the commute is quite long from For Sure. Um, yeah. Um. But I think the, the the main thing I think is again coming back to um to building trust and also sounding people out. Um. Sometimes um, it, it is also you need to also be clear uh, on the expectations. And that's probably one of the key learnings as well And in being able to create trust, but also be clear on what you expect. Um, And that dynamics, it it, it is very different depending on where you are. So for instance, in the UK, it's more of a conversational um, um, uh, leadership. Um, Same thing in Sweden, although in Sweden it's even more collective. uh, and in the Nordics, in general, Finland is slightly more directive, although that is changing now to more, let's say, more of a collective way. Especially when you have younger people in the in the working life. So maybe 20 years ago, you'd still have the let's say the old um, um, old school type of uh, management, if you will, but that, that doesn't yeah. really apply anymore. And then when you go eastbound, so you know, I had a team in in Russia and Ukraine, they would sort of expect almost to be task managed and then also there was very little trust normally given to the employees which i mm-hmm. i tried to to change firstly because i couldn't be there you know i couldn't be in moscow and kiev you know every day and so on so you need to trust your people you need to have people who you can um, give a certain objectives to and then trust that they're doing their job yeah and, and, and that was a very new experience from for for, for at least um, uh, um you know a, a, a russian organization that the boss is not sitting in his office First of all, I, I I had I was given a moment, but I didn't sit in it. So that also was very uncomfortable for them. It's like, well, you're, you're in office, why don't you go in? No, I'm I'm sitting here with you. Yeah. So that was you know, we can use it as a meeting room. So mm. this more about the boss is not the one sitting in the office where you come and ask questions or you're getting told what to do.
2: Mm. Uh, so, so... Some some great, uh, great examples there and some fantastic experiences. Um, so we've heard about uh, Joachim's career and, and, and progression and, and looked, uh, looked back at the past. So that brings us nicely to the present.
0: So um, you know, for, for you guys having only acquired 24i last year, you've had to do a lot of integrating of the two companies between 24i and Amino during a pandemic. How has that been?
1: So first of all it wasn't two com- uh, companies so first of all what we did was that we had the uh, what we at that time called amino tv which was both the back-end uh, transcode as well as uh, a client solution which we then decided to use the uh, the really good front-end proposition of 24i and dock that into let's say the back-end piece that we have here in helsinki so we put part of amino into 24i so the helsinki team. that's two companies then um, 24i had acquired four companies. So uh, in, in the Czech Republic, they have a, had acquired two companies: one is the other was part of the Siemens OTT business. So also quite recent, or both in Brno, in the Czech Republic. So there was somebody there. Um, and then uh, uh, two acquisitions in Holland: one being bigger, which is doing part also some OTT apps and so on, and the and the the other one was a. A company called Stream One, which had a, another, again, a little bit of an OVP transcode solution. So that is quite a lot of different um, things and different companies to take care of. So, so what, we, what we've done is technically, first of all, put a, one organization in place, which is not geographic, it's more functional. We have um, also try- working on putting uh, common engineering practices and project management and so on. I think that's still an ongoing practice. We have really tried to focus on the new, especially the new end-to-end deals that we have that we nailed the way of working both in pre sale sales engagement, contracting and delivery that we can replicate that um, uh, with the new ways of working. And then, um, also from the amino side then inherited some good ways of doing for instance one on the you know more of the corporate governance side in in the fact that we also have to report we are listed so we need to understand how we track costs you know compliance auditing and so on as part of a listed company so also the finance and sales side there's been a lot of changes in 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 checks and balances to make sure that you know we know what we're going to come in at, at any given point or time of the year
0: yeah a lot of work to be done and, and uh you know <clears throat> yeah, amazing how well you guys have, have managed to do that you know being being so remote
1: um, and also part of the pandemic actually I, it's, it's a good question i mean i, I still sometimes get a reminder oh yes we are actually in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and we have recruited probably 15 people during the yeah. pandemic and, and sometimes also our, our customers provided as well so why did you have a resource gap? Well, you know, we this was in July, August. You know, four weeks in lock, uh, four months in lockdown. We have to have the guys going on vacation. We couldn't recruit as much people as we wanted. So inevitably, there has been some challenges over the year. Mm. But I asked us about why did you have that? Well, you know, when you're growing, you're recruiting people. Being in lockdown, people couldn't go on holiday as maybe as would normally be able to do. There's been you know, some obvious challenges.
0: Yeah, it's been been some challenges for for all of us, and, and and coming back to that point, you know, there's a lot of business has been cutting hiring, um, but I know that you guys have butt the trend somewhat, but also particularly right now about to embark on starting a graduate scheme. So, what's prompted that, and why do you think that now is the right time for you guys to do that?
1: Um, a couple of things. What one uh, one is, of course, that there is talent. Uh, in the market as well, you know some some companies doing poorly. Uh, not generally, sort of in in, in the media and, and uh, tech industry, but but in general, there there's talent um, talent to, um, uh, to to be um, recruited. Mm-hmm. And the other one is that uh, we also felt that um, we also want to make make a statement also to the market that you know when when um, when people um normally cut down we will also actually make sure that for young people also to get a chance um and also we this is also something that we want to do uh, on an ongoing basis because you also need to have a steady inflow of new people coming in to kind of also rejuvenate a little bit the, the gene pool so to speak um and uh, and and i think that's that's part of it as well um uh and it 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 it's engineering it's uh, uh, marketing it's finance and, and uh, actually it's uh, across many functions and and it's actually across the group so it's an Amino and 24 i graduate program
0: fantastic Well, that that's uh, that that's really good to hear and it's great to hear mm-hmm. such a such a positive uh, approach about such a uh, such a thing particularly i think you yeah, know bringing you know new people into the industry giving younger people a chance and and as you say kind of rejuvenating the gene pool a little bit i think it's uh, it, it's very important and um, the the other question i kind of had on the 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 present side of things is like the content and media world is in a, a strange place right now you know lots of content can't be made yet yeah, the paradox is at the moment we're all consuming more content than we've ever consumed before. Um, so what long-term positives do you think might come from this current global situation?
1: You mean for the industry specifically? For the
0: industry, yeah, for the industry.
1: Long-term positive. well uh, I mean there's, there's a couple of general themes that I think is is, is, is positive uh, as such and that's, that's the fact that in general for for staff that you, I'm hoping that we can have more flexibility in the way we work. I mean, I, I would like to call that out first because I think Definitely. there's been a culture of having that you have to go to the office and it's it's kind of, that's how we are effective and so on. And I think the pandemic has really has highlighted two things. One is that, uh, you know, that's not necessarily needed but it also does highlight the need for being together more, even more so. In yes. particular when it comes to solving things, which is across teams, and also things that are more difficult in terms of ways of working and processes and so on. So I think that that that's one thing. But it's here to stay. I don't think that we will be certain Everybody will go to the you know five days back into the office. Everybody. That's probably not going to come back. Um, in terms of um, TV and media um, or video, um, one thing that I I, I see which is um, uh, I think uh, I don't see if you see that in the UK, but definitely here in the North is we see that linear TV advertising is actually dropping off a cliff. You see, in the quality of the spots, even on prime time, it's, it's um, you can really now during the pandemic see that something's broken. You know, you would normally not see these type of spots during prime time as you do now. That could create quite some interesting uh, shifts in 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 um, in the paradigm, and I know that there's, you know, the likes of Pluto TV and so on, you know, trying the the able type of uh, OTT service as such. I think um, that is an interesting approach as such, um, and I think you're probably going to see more of these type of things coming in, where you blend in linear and 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 trying to get um, a better monetization of advertising in video, which is not necessarily the let's say the old school linear, mm-hmm. and. The other one that I see that is, um, I think um, we haven't come to the revolution yet, but we do see that there's a lot of people now subscribing to one, uh, two, three, four OTT apps, and you know that's yep. getting more. The question is, how sustainable is that over time? Uh, where, when is that going to say, well, actually, it's going to go back to kind of what it used to be, like you know you had your subscription and your bundle. Yeah. Who's going to take that role? You know, uh, we had a a seminar. Uh, well, a year and a half ago, where we actually looked at a few scenarios. One is this super aggregation role of the operators that they can take, which I think technically is possible um, already today. Um, and you see some some signs of that. For instance, DNA in Finland bundling Netflix, and you have um, similar things with Sky, etc. That yeah. you see that you see that super aggregation being one possible. Uh, trajectory. The other one is, of course, that the likes of Amazon or even Facebook or or Netflix doing that that they become the super aggregator. Um, and and again, you know, Netflix is trying the, the linear channel in France, or yeah. the type. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that going to be something? Uh, to me, uh, I think it will be depending on the market. Where you have a homogeneous market like the US, I think it's much easier to get scale. And also, it's not they're also completely vertically integrated. Some companies are completely vertically integrated in, in the US, so it probably also can create different dynamics. Whereas in Europe, it's more fragmented. So, mm-hmm. and also with uh, the history of very strong free-to-air broadcasting and, and public broadcasters. So I don't think that would go away. So the question, will they be uh, something which is more European led? I mean, there's even been uh, lobbying within the European Union about, you know, bolstering protecting uh, broadcasting and the public and the kind of local broadcasters as well to take a type of thing but if they do that i think they also probably need to collaborate more
0: yeah uh, very 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 interesting and um i know will's got uh, got, got a few more questions around uh, around the future as well
2: Absolutely, yes, thanks John. Um, one, one topic which is uh, it's a big topic for, for the whole planet and not just the, the industry is around sustainability. Um, what are your thoughts on how this can be addressed or, or maybe led by the, the, the tech industry?
1: Through investment. I think the, the, the thing is that um, uh, in general, when I see, and, and actually me as a, as a private person, Mm. Uh, and I think, as us as, as private people, uh, if you direct your money towards something which is more, let's say, sustainable for the planet and and, and, and consumption, I think that's mm. also the way you you drive the market, and and that's mm. also how how you should lead the development in such a way that um, that you invest in things that are more sustainable. Comes mm. to the media and entertainment industry, mm. um, you can say that on one hand is not so. Um, 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 so bad, if you will. Mm -hmm. But actually, when you look at data center and cloud infrastructure and so on, when you Mm -hmm. think about the streaming aspect, I think there's a lot to be done there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Forward, you know, how, you know, is it sustainable that you have all the servers running 24 seven CDN technologies with a lot of streaming, you know, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, you could do a TCO on that one, including infrastructure and power and so on. I think it's not going to look pretty. Um, Um, so, so I think there's probably a lot, lot of in- innovation that can be done, mm-hmm. and and also maybe in terms of the in the media tech industry, for instance, we, we could probably do a lot there in order to to look at the energy consumption in, in yeah. and smart uh, delivery of bits and bytes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's what comes to mind uh, for yeah, sure. for the likes of let's say where you have hardware still it's about making sure that you have transparency in your supply chain, making sure you have auditing, making sure that your suppliers have um, uh, fair and equitable um, terms um, yeah. and so on. So to be able to yeah. have that sort of uh, backed up and you you, you are contributing to um, the complete supply chain being, let's say, um, uh, um, not sustainable but sustainable in the sense that they are uh, um,
2: responsible suppliers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, great, great thoughts. Thank you. And and I hadn't considered the, the angle of, you know, the, the, the data centers and whatever else, but, but uh, I think that's a, that is something, isn't it, that, that we perhaps as an industry need to, to shine a bit of a light on, but no, thank you. Really great thoughts. Um, and, and fantastic talking like that as well. Um, in terms of the future, then in, and thinking about the consumer again, what, what does the consumer experience look like in the future and what technologies will, will shape that, do you think?
1: Um, that's a good, well, I, I think, again, it, it, it depends on, on um, uh, which segment we're talking about, or even age, right? So you have, yeah. I think you have a certain age group that will, would like to have, um, they're perfectly happy with what they have today, but for some parts of that, and then, mm-hmm. then you have some that are extremely progressive. Mm-hmm. So it will go to war- more towards um, uh, streaming for those. But then I think when you're looking at the, the, the people who are sort of um, um, less than 18 years old, I think mm-hmm. the jury is out on what that will be. There's kind of two questions here. I, I, you know, I, I normally quote Mark Richardson from London Business School on this thing. With, he has this Mark Knopfler, Mark Knopfler theory. Uh-huh. Uh, which is quite interesting. He is sort of I and mean, he, his he, his Mark Knopfler's theory is the following: is that when he was 25, uh-huh. he hated Dire Straits. And Mark, <laughs> <laughs> you know who, who on earth would do that? And you know, and he, he, he compares yeah. that to consumption of TV and media. So. Yeah. What, what a lot of the analysts are saying, like, well, you know, you have the millennials, and they basically they do TikTok, they do YouTube, and mm. you know, uh, they're not going to subscribe to any any paid service going forward because that's what they do. And you extrapolate that type of behavior mm. in 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 eternity.
2: Mm.
1: But the Mark Knopfler theory, and you can probably find that online as well, is that people get older, and the behaviors change. So you know, you're not you're not out. Well, now you're not out in the bar so much anyway, but normally um, you have a completely different behavior when you're 20, 25. You're not in watching television, you're not doing gardening, and you're not, you know, listening to Mark Knopfler. So, the other type of kind of, um, you know, thesis is that people will get older, behaviors will change, and they will like to consume a certain type of entertainment service, which they actually pay for. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably where it's going. The question how will it look like? Um, uh, that to me is a good, and I think that, you know, we're coming back to the super aggregation, who's going to take those things, but I don't yeah. think it's going to be you having to have 10 different apps that you you, you consume on, on different devices and so on. I think the big screen is going to be uh, still important for a certain age yeah. group, complemented yeah. by more and more viewing and com- continued more viewing on a mobile mm-hmm. device. Mm-hmm. Um this thing about being able to sort of triaging screens, you know, this thing about having you talked about, you know, you have Formula One, you have the driver here and the um, and, and the, the race on. The, yeah. Not so sure about that. Um, that okay. That's something that you know it's a little bit like 3D as well. You know, nothing. You know, we 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 had 3D and and yeah. oh that was not um, um, not really happening. Then we said well it's going to be 4K and UHD. Mm. Uh, yes. Probably, but if you still look at the production cost of those type of to to create live events for that, um, it is still quite expensive. So I think once you go full IP all the way, there's Mm -hmm. probably, uh, and you solve the CDN and delivery question. I think there's, of course, people who wouldn't like to have UHD or who wouldn't like to have 8K in the future.
2: Sure,
1: sure. But it's going to take time. I think we barely got HD uh, rolled out, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely and what about things like AI and AR and, and other technologies like that do you think they'll they'll have a, a bigger part to play
1: well certainly on operate we already have it in you know <clears> you <throat> look at AI in operations and you know also look at analytics and so on I mean that's that's already happening in terms mm-hmm. of your know, also content rec, uh, recommendations and and understanding user behavior and also yeah. in, in understanding where problems are in solutions and so on that we are already working with that and I yeah. think that's just going to be more and more makes it part of what you do, A, a and B testing using AI, um, yeah. different profiles and different UIs, depending on who you are and what moods mm. you can to mm-hmm. that. Like, okay, you know that this person has had a shitty day, so then we <laughs> the UI, we change the concept. <laughs> so I, I, I think that's probably going to be a reality. Um, yeah. And, so on. and virtual reality... Yeah. Um, I think people back to the mobile, you know, my mobile streaming type of thing, you know, mm. uh, immersive experience. W- yes, of course, that will happen. The question is, mm. how will it happen? Yeah. The Oculus, it, I think people say, oh, this is not so good with this Oculus things. It's going to be sitting on top of that. But yeah. if it's less intrusive, maybe it is an experience where you it's projected using some kind of device on the table and it becomes, you know, I think the, the same, similar as 3D, right? You know, the reason why it was a failure is because you had to have these glasses and you got a little bit nauseous. Um, <laughs> so some a great uh, kind of user experience, mm. but there's no point in that. Uh, there's no doubt that um, uh, uh, experiences will be more immersive where you call it VR or something else, um, don't know. Um, mm. But there's certainly, I think that's going to be something which will be, which will be reality in the future.
2: Alex, ah, exciting times then for, for the consumer just harnessing all that brilliant technology. I can't wait. Um, one thing we'd all like to see more of in the industry is, um, is diversity. What's your take on, on how the industry can encourage greater diversity?
1: There's been a few, um, I think you have some women in tech, um, so there, there is a, in, in a women in broadcast and so on, so yep. there's some initiatives there yes. Yes. In general, I would say that, and this is something that I also already at Red Bee, where we were fortunate to actually have a very good talent pool from the start, in particularly in broadcast operations. So, yeah. so it kind of strikes to me that there has been certain roles within broadcast that has been always prone to be more equal, if you will, and also attracted a lot of, let's say, female talent mm-hmm. um, for some reason, whereas in some roles, not really. So, so for us as leaders in the industry, we also need to understand how we can create a larger talent pool over time, because I think that's the only way we we're going to have a... a, a, a and, and that's just for, let's say, the gender question. In terms of cultural um, and, um, and ethnicity, we, I think for we are quite a good example of that. Uh, we're kind of there in general, so in Helsinki, uh, we're 12 nationalities and 24 people, and uh, I can tell you, people are not coming here for the weather. I have three lamps <laughs> on right now, it's really, it's really dark. So, uh, so, so that I think that's a good start, um, mm-hmm. uh, and and with more and more possibilities as part of the pandemic as well, people can work from anywhere. So, we have, for instance, hired a person out of Colombia now, uh, because, for instance, in Roque it's difficult to get talent, so we hired somebody out of columbia uh, also actually a female developer Mm. Uh, not that that was the criteria she's just an awesome developer so Mm. so so i think that also creates with the acceptance of remote working and also with tooling that we have also it creates more opportunities for let's say leveling the playing field of talent Mm. yeah Uh, and equally as well to uh, to retain because then also you are competing Mm. with others who could do the same
0: yeah, sure. totally agree. Totally agree. Um, and and sticking on um, diversity, you know, you you worked for Ericsson for a long time, which is a, a famously very diverse organization and takes diversity and inclusion yeah very very seriously. Um, from your time there, what, what do you feel that they did they did right um, as an organization, and and how did they manage to achieve it from a DNI perspective? Well,
1: they started very early. So I think um, um, the questions that were raised all already, already then were questions that I think other companies uh, started to raise probably five, six, seven years later. And it was also done actually with with driving, you know, also targets to what you'd like to see within different um, in the talent pool, and also in terms of succession planning that there was special attention on on uh, when it comes to. To uh, uh, female leaders. That's how it was done there. Um, uh, I'm not sure that, you know, uh, in terms of, um, I think I believe in equal opportunity. And again, it, it comes down to being having a, a, a good talent pool, good managers, and being able to sort of have an equal playing field and also to attract. Uh, because we also need to ask ourselves in general in tech is that why doesn't it attract 50 50? Yeah. It's a, it, I think it's a fair question. I mean, um, um, uh, not to say that I, you know, I, I'd like to see uh, that, but we also have to question ourselves: Is it because we're a particularly male-dominated uh, industry? I don't think so. Um, um, and and you know, going back to Ericsson, it could also because also because it um, Ericsson is Swedish; it's a very collective uh, society, so that kind of helps from a cultural bo- uh, point of view. But you can also see there different uh, parts where. Where well, it was difficult to get the talent pool. I mean, you know, look at development in general. It does mm. not attract by history um, so much. So I think there you need to start with, with you know, um, this um, attraction on on you know, school uh, in school, what is considered actually being um, uh, uh, friendly and, and 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 interesting. And uh, um, and and it's a it's a fair question. I don't have a. A good uh, question why for instance the uh, talent pool on where you have you could argue that in the nordic countries you have a equal playing field uh, for well the more of an equal playing field uh, than uh, many other parts of the uh, world and you still see quite an unequal um, um, flow of talent into certain roles Mm. where you have equal uh, almost equal opportunity i would say yeah Um, I'm generalizing but but yeah of course still I would say that you look at most kind of statistics on 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 diversity and and general sort of social acceptance I mean the Nordic countries come up high um, but you still have certain parts certain job categories where it's still I would say I would say even worse than other parts of the world yeah yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, one, one thing that, and, and you mentioned it uh, kind of towards the beginning of this conversation, but one thing that's come out a lot when we've been asking people during this uh, podcast series is that yeah, it's diversity of thought that's, that's key and, and it driving business value. Um, what, what are the key benefits as far as you're concerned in terms of diversity and what it can bring to a business in terms of value?
1: Well, it will, it will drive, definitely drive different perspectives and, and, and different decision making, because if you have different people who think in different ways, that's why it came back to what kind of leader are you and what, how do you, and then if you don't, you normally tend to hire people that are similar to yourself. Mm-hmm. So unless you put on, that on the agenda, then, then of course you will be hiring people that are like yourself. Yeah. Um, so that needs to be conscious that when you build teams, you know, not only executive teams and you know management teams, also teams in general, you need to think about those things that are that there are there is diversity in the teams um, over time, um, and and through that you can get the different perspectives. I mean. Um, uh, the dialogue becomes maybe different if you have um, a female aspect to it, if you have uh, different cultures, you would have people from different backgrounds that actually have different ways of approaching problems. And problem solving is, is key for an organization to move forward and, 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 and innovate and, 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 and deliver to customers, etc.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And it's a it's a huge topic that we could talk about for hours. But thanks very much for your for your thoughts on that bit. Um, so we, we alluded to uh, a bit about um, food wine and bikes earlier so I'm passing (laughs) passing back to Will to uh just a a little bit more about about you the person Joachim. (laughs) Thanks yeah we've we've learned a
2: great deal um uh, about Joachim thank you um but our our listeners I'm sure would love to learn more about you that the person and how you do like to spend uh, time outside of work so in terms of a perfect weekend Joachim what would that look like for you from say Friday night to Monday morning?
1: So what I'll, um, so the per- it, 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 when you're here uh, so it would probably not be winter time because um, wintertime <laughs> it would look slightly different but yeah uh, you know, uh, but I'd, you know it would be that I would hop into my boat um, mm-hmm. yeah, which is a I, uh, I'm, I'm not normally such a petrol head but when it comes to boats I'm a little bit of a petrol head uh, or actually it's a diesel so I have a 30foot rib boat so it's a oh, wow inflatable boat open yeah. um, no yeah. Uh, and then it's starting the weekend with actually, you know, when you when you throttle up and you see that, you know, when it starts to power up and it just, yeah. and that type of mo- <laughs> moment is when, you know, that's where I normally, when it's really bad, yeah, I always think about that moment. <laughs> <laughs> the wind in your hair, or, well, you know, on my head. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, yeah. you go and it's, you have the sun, you know, you can see it still because it's still probably then. You know June, so it's slightly crisp still, and it's uh, and it's still quite light outside. And I drive out to my um my cottage, um, and then I'll be basically docking there and unpacking, and then have a uh, have a glass of wine, put a sauna on, and um, go to the sauna, just uh, chill outside. uh, That go back and uh, um, have some more wine, sleep a good night, and then. Mm after that spend it, uh, the day you know, on Saturday just um, I normally what I also do is that I work on my yard so I have a I have an eight hectare forest slash farm kind of thing yeah and I have two hectares of uh, lawn wow. and I don't have I have a normal lawnmower So, so... <laughs>
2: wow it keeps you fit. So,
1: 30, 000, <laughs> so that's kind of like probably 12 14 kilometers of walking. That so then I put an audiobook in or music, and then I yeah. just do that. That gives you a good kind of 10 12 kilometers, more, you in know, mowing the lawn and and then you know making a good uh, uh, meal uh, because I also sometimes fish, so sometimes that or I bring something there which is either you know. Um, uh either a fish meal so yeah i put out the nets and then you get um a baltic bass which is uh, something oh. that i normally get fantastic uh, and then you either smoke that or then fry it in butter with dill and and parsley oh. with some potatoes and then yeah. have a good uh, somnium blanc to that and then um, yeah that's kind of my saturday sunday would probably be having you know uh being Doing something similar and then uh, drive back in the evening and, and and come back to to the Helsinki area.
2: Oh, sounds amazing! And are you on your own or will you have friends or family with you?
1: So so I uh, um so we're now in a transition mode. So our daughter um so I'm I'm 47 and my daughter just moved out from so 19. So um um so we got kids quite well relatively young given the fact that they bought have two university degrees
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we, we i mean she she uh, our daughter was always planned to come but five years later um but she came five years early <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she's now you know when you know so it's a little bit payback time now so it's just me and my wife and my daughter uh, my, my son is 16 and a yeah. half so he's gonna turn 17 he doesn't really come with us to to the cottage anymore so but sometimes he does but uh, sure. It's mainly me and my wife and our dog.
2: Yeah, oh, well, it, it all sounds absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much for, for, for that insight. Um, so I'll just hand over to, uh, to, to John now for the, for the quick fire round.
0: All right, very good. So no, no clues here and you have to think on your feet and you have to, have to give one answer. So straight into it, we've been asking everyone the same these last few weeks, uh, triumphed in lockdown or failed in lockdown?
1: I would have said triumphed.
0: Very good. Uh, espresso or latte? Espresso. Now, I know you love your wine, but you've also spent a long time in the UK working here as well. So wine or beer? Wine. Uh, mountain peaks or bright white beach? Beach. Uh, box set in a takeaway or fine dining? Fine dining. Uh, do the cooking or do the dishes?
1: Cooking, cooking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sports car or camper van? Sports car. Uh, camping or glamping? What's glamping? Uh, posh camping.
1: That sounds better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Netflix or Disney Plus? Uh, Netflix. Uh, plane or train? Plane. And to finish, sticking on the travel vibe for someone who's been forced to stop travelling like you uh, like you used to. Uh, in the future
1: do you want to travel more or travel less? Inevitably it will be travel less but <laughs> it will not be less. So I think we're probably going to go back to uh, it will be travelling less but it will still be travelling.
0: Yeah, no, fantastic. Well listen, thank you very much for that, really appreciate it. And just passing back to Will for our final question. Thanks John. Uh, yes, uh, What? One piece of
2: advice would you give someone entering the industry today?
1: Don't take anything for granted. There's a lot of um, not invented here type of thing. You know, I came came in to broadcast from like IPTV and was considered a complete, you don't know what you're talking about type of, you know. And I said, we also did manage to do a lot of things by questioning the said ways of, um, you know, like look at a broadcast engineer. I think that's probably still a problem. Like, you know, broadcast engineers on the, let's say, the classic side, uh, on the average age of they must be 55 by now. Yeah. That, to me, that's a, you know, that's a threat and an opportunity. So to me, it's like, don't accept things that you hear. You, you should come with your own ideas and challenge the industry and in, in, in what it does and, and, and why it does it
0: fantastic fabulous
1: um listen thank you so
0: much for your time Joachim really appreciate it great to hear all your thoughts and insights and, and learn a bit more about you the person as well so uh, real pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much
1: thank you for having me
0: pleasure thank you for listening to our podcast if you enjoyed the show please do subscribe and give us a rating it really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people for more information about NUCO, we can be found at wwwneuco groupcom You've been listening to The Tech That Connects Us.